Church, Charlotte. Okay. All right. So for my title, uh, I am working with this as a title, Seven Steps to Lasting Change. Now, you should know at the outset here, what I'm really teaching about is prayer. Uh, But I have only rarely heard prayer taught as seven principles whereby I put off the old me and I put on that individual that I can be in God. I put off the flesh. I put on the spirit. But prayer is the fundamental necessary activity of any believer who wants to make any difference in their world. So I want to just pause there real quick, and I want to encourage all of you to say this to yourself. You know, the the drill sergeant part of your brain needs to say this to the lazy bum part of your brain and say, if I want to live out real spiritual influence, if I want to make a difference in my world and in the world of other people, I must be an individual of prayer. This is where I would make you say amen if we were all together. I must take prayer seriously. Now, when Jesus taught us how to pray, he embedded seven principles in his prayer that he taught in Matthew chapter number six. There's another reference to it, I believe, in Luke chapter number 11. But it is the Lord's instruction on how to pray, but that's just the surface. To understand how prayer produces lasting change in my life and in your life, you need to see the seven principles that are involved. So uh, let's read. This is Matthew chapter number six, and we will read at verse number nine. After this manner, therefore pray ye, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever Amen. Now, some of the most beautiful words ever coined in any language is this, what this passage we refer to as the Lord's Prayer. I have found myself when I did not know anything else to do, simply saying the Lord's Prayer. But I also have found myself treating it as though it were a poem to memorize, not an instructional how-to in the principles of of prayer. I want to revere it as beautiful words, yes. I want to speak it as beautiful language and poetry, yes. But I want to understand the principles, the principles that produce real change, how prayer gets down in the nitty-gritty of my soul and produces real change first in me and then overflowing my boundaries begins to influence the world. Seven principles of how prayer 
brings lasting change in our individual lives. So I want to say what I've already said. I want to nail this down. I want to make sure we all speak this truth to ourselves. Prayer is the necessary and daily bread of the believer. Prayer is the necessary and daily bread of the believer. I want to, first of all, uh, confess how at times in my life, I thought prayer was a personal accomplishment. And I treated it like that. And I felt uh, more worthy when I had prayed a lot. Uh, I even set personal goals for myself where I would try to pray a certain amount um, as though prayer was an accomplishment, as though I were training for a marathon. Um, I, I want to be fair and say that's not all wrong. We all of us need to push ourselves out of our uh, laziness and out of our comfort zone and pray longer than perhaps our flesh would pray if we simply gave in to what it wanted. But prayer is not primarily about training for a marathon. Uh, prayer isn't just about counting how much time you have prayed. Prayer isn't about bragging rights. We'll talk more about that in a moment. But uh, prayer is your approach to God, your reminder to yourself of how you are living. Prayer is necessary and it is daily. If you are not in some way approaching God with a, with that attitude of prayer um, on a daily basis, then I would say to you and me, we can do better. We can do better. So first of all, let me uh, try to lay some myths at rest. Oftentimes it's easier to say what something isn't than what it is. Um, so let me give you a few things that prayer isn't. Number one, prayer is not bargaining with God. Now I know, I know, I know. Some of you want to reach over to a passage of scripture and the woman and the unjust judge. That is a lesson about persistence, yes, but it's not a lesson about God. Why? God is not an unjust judge. That's an important little detail for you to remind yourself. It's a lesson of persistence, yes, but it's not a lesson about God because God is not an unjust judge. Prayer is not about bargaining with God. Secondly, prayer is not about demanding your way with God. Yes, I know you can find a passage here, uh, maybe there where someone has that tone or is invited by God to command ye, me, to say it in the King James. But I, I want you to know uh, that's not really... Um, God doesn't exist to serve us. We're, we, we serve God. Um, and so we don't demand lest we ask amiss. Thirdly, uh, prayer isn't just a wish list. Um, one uh, scholar a few years back said, whenever evangelicals pray, it's always a risk of turning into a gold rush. Because if they're not careful, they just turn it into what they want and what they think God should give them. Um, it's not a wish list. Now, that's, that said, there are moments in your emotional journey of prayer when it can feel like all of these things. It can feel like a wish list. Lord, I wish you would fix me from this problem. You understand what I'm saying? Like the Apostle Paul. Lord, I wish you would heal me already. Uh, and the Lord said, my grace is sufficient. Um, but in its intent, it is not about bargaining, demanding, nor is it a wish list or a gold rush. Um, nor is it a therapeutic meditative style exercise. It might feel that way, but that's not the goal. That's not the high the high purpose of it. It's not even about nagging or bothering God. 
Um, it's not about controlling God or most importantly, that most common error of people of faith um, using prayer to control others. That's not what it's about. Prayer isn't about changing God, moving God. Prayer isn't about changing others or moving others. Prayer is about changing me. It's about moving me. Now, there is a process, yes, where I have influence because I've been changed. But that's not the same thing as having some Napoleonic control, which is what all of us wish we had in certain circumstances. And finally, importantly, prayer is not um, an index for spirituality. It's not a timekeeping system. You don't punch in and punch out and then get more status in the kingdom of God because you prayed more. Um, And certainly it's not a thing to use as bragging rights. Uh, Jesus intentionally repeatedly said not to pray as the Pharisees who were very careful to pray where they were seen of men because what they wanted from prayer was to be known as devout. Uh, If you want that, then that's your reward. And Jesus actually said that they have their reward. What they wanted prayer for was to raise their hierarchy in their community. Um, And the Lord said, fine, they have their, they have their reward. Uh, So these are the things prayer is at. Now let's look, moving briskly along here. Now let's look at seven principles of change. The first principle is this. Prayer defines for me what is holy in my life, what is sacred in my life, what is worthy of worship in my life. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed, be thy name. All of us should desire to see the beauty of the Lord. What do you think would fix a broken world filled with hate and strife and competition? If you have a theory on what would fix it, you will see the beauty of that. You will long for it. You will cry for the justice of it. That will fix the world. I happen to think that the selfless life and the covering for sin demonstrated in Jesus Christ is what the world needs. All of us need to be changed by the idea and the ideal of serving others, preferring others, loving others, less self-centeredness, more empathy, more inclusion. I see the beauty of the Lord. To me, that is holy. But I know people who worship their careers They catch themselves when they're alone and they're daydreaming about when they get to be the boss. Some people daydream about when they make their first million or their second million or their 10th million. You catch them daydreaming. That's what they're thinking about. They're making those things holy. They are worshiping those things. Some people worship fame and they every waking hour, they'll be trying to gain YouTube followers, say. They worship fame. They are making it holy. You are a worshiper. I am a worshiper. The first principle of prayer is to remind me I may enjoy this hobby. I may enjoy those sports. I may enjoy that financial condition better than this one. I may like that career opportunity. But here's the thing. Those things aren't holy to me. God is holy. Lord, let me see the beauty of your justice. Let me be transformed by the exposure to your heart. Let people see me and hear, see, feel testimony of you. If I don't make God holy, if I don't make mercy holy, if I don't make righteousness holy, if I don't make Jehovah is my salvation holy, I will have things I worship 
but it won't be the Lord. The first principle of how prayer changes the believer is by intentionally, the act of intentionally defining what I worship, what I claim is holy, what I venerate, what I exalt, what moves me. The first principle of prayer is I define for myself what is holy, what is worthy, what is of the greatest good, what is of the greatest beauty, what's worthy of my praise, what's worthy of my adoration. Hallowed be thy name. All right. Secondly, I submit myself not to my purpose, but to God's purpose. I have gifts that I want to work in God's purpose. Do you see what I'm saying? I have an investment from God, but I want to invest that in God's purpose. Whatever I can do, I can give glory to God with it. Whatever skill I have, I can give glory to God with it. Uh, But I want you to see that ultimately his call takes preeminence over my call. I submit myself to a higher purpose. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So the first principle was what is holy to you? Prayer is the daily act of you telling yourself what is holy. Hallowed be thy name. It's you, O Lord. You are the, you, you are the ideal. I see your beauty. Uh, I've made him holy. Secondly, I submit myself to a higher purpose. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Third, I choose contentment as part of my approach to God. Now, I this may come as a little bit of surprise. We're so good at discontentment. We're so good at being unhappy. I wish I had this. I wish I had that. I don't like this. I don't like that. Um, but I want you to see that Jesus teaches us contentment as an approach unto the Lord. And he teaches us to pray, give us this day our daily bread. Lord, help me to make do with where I am right now. Discontented people very rarely have a testimony of any sort. Um, Think about that. Discontented, unhappy shall we say, borderline miserable people do not have a testimony. But a contented person, they have a testimony. Um, It's like the old story about the man who, he was a business consultant. He went down into um, Mexico to go on a fishing off of, uh, you know, Veracruz down in that area. And they were fishing for Marlin. And he met an old man who fished off of the pier there every day. And he got to talking to him and he said, look, um, why don't you save up money, buy a tour boat. And if you work real hard, um, you can make enough money and you can pay off that tour boat. And I mean, it's okay. And then what? He said, well, then you could, you know, save money, work real hard, buy a second tour boat and get that paid off. Then you'd be able to build a big house. And then he said, the guy said, okay, well, then what? He said, well, then if you work off, you might buy a fishing fleet and not just do retail tourist fishing, but you could do um, commercial fishing. And then I said, okay, and then what? And he said, well, after that, you would be rich. You could do whatever you wanted. You can fish every day. The man said, well, I'm fishing every day now. (laughs) Um, The point being, contentment is a testimony killer. 
Content, excuse me, discontentment is a testimony killer. Discontentment um, uh, makes other people see through our pretend solutions and they can tell the truth is we've allowed ourselves to grow miserable. Look, Lord, teach me to use this day as it is given. Teach me to be content in this day. Give me this day as my daily bread. The fourth principle that produces change, lasting change in me, is the principle of, of repentance. Repentance is not just something you pray at an altar when you first come to the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, repentance is an attitude, an approach to God, and it is a continual acknowledging and turning away from my sins. I'm aware that I owe God everything. Remember the lesson from the New Testament? He who has been forgiven much, what do they do? They love much. The person who doesn't think they've been forgiven much, they felt like they got just barely what they deserved, they don't love much. Um, so repentance is, uh, first of all, a reminder to me that um, I don't really deserve to be here. If God wanted to let justice speak, I wouldn't have a place to stand. Uh, I would be lost, but through his mercy. One of the ways I remind myself that is to live repentance as an approach to God. Lord, I need mercy in my life. I acknowledge, I confess, I repent of my sins. Verse 12, and forgive us our debts. But there's something attached to this, and that's the fifth principle of how prayer produces lasting change in our life, and that is this. I forgive others as an act of worship and thanksgiving to God who forgave me. I don't just forgive others when I think they've repented enough and they finally, you know, paid the price. No, I don't forgive even as an act of justice. I forgive as an act of worship because he forgave me first. And the least I can do is forgive others. Now, this principle, this fifth principle of, of living repentance um, it is, it's all through uh, the New Testament. I mean, it is all through the New Testament. There are multiple parables just on this subject. So fourth, I acknowledge and repent of my sins. Fifth, I choose to forgive others as an act of worship. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Now, you would think that Jesus, having mentioned this, could just move on now, right? He's mentioned it. He moved on. But when he ends this prayer, which we'll get to in just a moment, this is the only principle of the seven that he doubles down and repeats himself. You know how preachers repeat ourselves? Um, this is the only of the seven principles that Jesus goes back and repeats again, just in case someone didn't get it. So the Lord's prayer ends in verse 13, this fifth principle of forgiving others. Now let's read the very next verse. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. Now I don't know how to make it any clearer than that. Jesus connected repentance and forgiveness. And then he doubled down and repeated it to us. Four, principle four, I need repentance. I confess, I turn away. Five, I forgive other people 
who have done anything wrong because the fourth principle of receiving is linked to the fifth, fifth principle of giving that mercy. All right, I wanted to emphasize that the fifth principle of lasting change or how prayer changes us. Number six, I ask for God's protection and God's deliverance. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This isn't us trying to talk God into doing what he's already promised he would do. That's not the point of it. Remember, prayer isn't to change God, manipulate God, force God's hand. This is for me to remind myself where my help comes from. That's so important. In fact, you'll find this theme again and again in uh, various passages of scripture where people are going into a trial. They are facing an enemy. There's a dilemma of some type. They will, you'll start hearing things like, where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. Who saved us in times past? Who made a way? Who parted the Red Sea? God doesn't have to be uh, manipulated to keep his promise. It's not about changing God. It's about changing us. I need to be reminded that this is not the first time I face trouble. God will protect me and God will deliver me. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And here's the seventh principle of lasting change for the person who will pray. Seventh, I worship and adore I worship and adore for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So be it for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. All right. Seven principles. How prayer changes us. We need to define what we see as holy. We need to define what we see as beautiful. If we're not careful, we can worship a career. We can worship money. We can get all these things wrong. No, hallowed is thy name. Second, I'm here for a higher purpose. Now, I'm, I have gifts God has given me. I've got opportunities. I have a work life. I have uh, uh, hobbies, but none of those things are as important as the higher purpose that God has given me. Number three, um, I choose contentment as a way of approaching God. I'm not showing up like an unhappy child, spoiled and never, never satisfied. I choose contentment. Give us this day our daily bread. Fourth, there's an attitude of repentance in my life. I acknowledge and I repent of my sins. Forgive me those transgressions I have against you. Fifth, as I forgive other people, because there is a linkage between my receiving mercy and my giving mercy as we forgive um, forgive our debts as we forget our debtors. Uh, six, uh, I need your protection, God. I need your deliverance. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And having corrected me, I step into this place of worship for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So I... Uh, I love 
looking at the Lord's Prayer. I love applying it to my life. I love trying to, in some way, apply the the truths that are in it. The Bible isn't given to us just as some uh, rule book that we're supposed to follow in the sense that um, it's a spiritual spreadsheet against which we're going to be judged. No, it's, it's literally spiritual truth given to us in the form of story, parable, history, poetry, and promise. Uh, it is something that we have to learn how to read, study, even pray. Uh, and so when the Lord is asked by his disciples, teach us to pray. He gives them these seven principles in the form of a prayer. And I honestly believe you could spend a uh, a lifetime studying it and not scratch the surface. One last thing, if any of you, if any of you have questions you would like to type in, um, now is your time to do that. And um, we're going to any of your questions if you have them. I have been studying the Lord's Prayer recently and I, I had I've missed how revolutionary it is. In fact, I actually think one of the series I'm gonna do in the future is gonna be Welcome to the Revolution. Because every statement of the Lord's Prayer goes against religious history. It goes against the habits of the idolaters. Every, it's astonishing, every statement changes the order of how people approach God as compared to so many of the heathen religions. Uh, Christianity was meant to be built as a relationship you have with God. It was not simply an order. It was not simply a some type of a, uh, a label. It has become those things, yes, but it was intended as you entering into the holy place and you uh, having a one-on-one -on -one relationship with God. So I have, I have a few uh, questions here um, that I want to deal with. I, I don't see any that's been put in the room, um, but I want to, first of all, deal with... Um, um, one thing, and then I'll ask, that's a good question, Anthony. I'll, I'll get to Anthony's question here. Um, when I'm praying for any, any big change that's happening in my life, I take it to prayer. Um, now, I don't mean in the sense that I just am, you know, the dutiful Christian person, Lord, help me to do this. I mean in the sense that I, I go to the Lord I tell the Lord what I think needs to happen, and I create this kind of reflective time uh, for me to sit in his presence, um, for me to give him space to quicken my heart. The Lord doesn't always speak to me with an audible voice, but he very commonly makes me to know things. He buries it in my spirit and it'll pop up almost like a holy formed thought and boom, I will be made to know. It's not something that I have any memory of figuring out, figuring out any memory of calculating any Machiavellian plan of working the angles. I just, I, I, I see. It's like, I don't see, now I see. I always, I always give the Lord that, um, that, that space in my life that if he will, and if he can get through my fixed goal, <laughs> I want him to make me to know 
certain things. And so I want to uh, I want to encourage all of you if you're fighting a personal change issue it can be very difficult one like an addiction it can be dealing with immorality um, it can be overcoming uh, problems of the lust of the flesh um, it can be in a any type of inappropriate um, limitation of sin uh, any evil in your life first of all pray honest prayers to god don't when you pray about that issue if it's a problem tell the lord it's a problem um, and then ask the lord where to start break it down lord what's my next move in fighting this if you will ask for wisdom i promise you uh, god will give you wisdom so uh, let me uh, answer let me talk a little bit about anthony's point of meditation um so uh, meditation is something that I am I am intentionally focusing upon. I meditate upon something. Now, what that is can change. What that is can move. Um, if you were in some Eastern religion, you would meditate on the sound of yourself humming. Uh, you might concentrate on your breath. Um, you might imagine yourself to be a sound of one hand clapping i mean whatever pick any zen coism and that's that's you can meditate on that um that's eastern religion that's not what we are doing uh, when we meditate we are intentionally focusing upon something that is of god that is spiritually profound and that we need so i can take one scripture and i can meditate upon that scripture and i'll i'll give an example of how it is in my personality. Um, my brain is kind of like uh, a rambunctious toddler and he's always running off, running off, running off, running off. And so I try to calm my brain down and my brain just runs off again. And so for me, meditating on the word of the Lord is say, I take the Lord's prayer. I start with hallowed be your name. And I think, I think and upon how holy is our God. I think upon that and then my brain runs off. Now I'm thinking about, I don't know what I'm doing tomorrow. I have to gently and firmly grab my attention and bring it back on. You are the only one who is holy Lord. So for me, meditation is always bringing my focus back to a spiritual thing. It can be a prayer. It can be a prayer for myself or for others. It can be a scripture. I love to meditate on the word of the Lord. I'll take one scripture and I'll, you know, like here, just take, grab a Bible, grab a Bible here. Um, uh, do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Okay. That's a spiritual truth. I focus on it. I focus on it. What happens to my mind? Well, that wanders off. I grab it. I pull it back on. Um, so that for me is how uh, I meditate on scripture or I meditate on a specific prayer. I'll pray for someone, Lord, help brother Ed. And I'm intentionally set aside time to pray for brother Ed. And my brain wanders off and pretty soon I'm thinking about what I have to do tomorrow. And I pull it back on. So that, that's, that's meditation. However, a lot of times you'll hear me a word, use a word that I, I talk about a reflection, right? That is very similar to meditation where we reflect upon the goodness of the Lord. And I oftentimes will do that 
um, in, in, in like a quiet space. And I know many of you do the same thing. Create some quiet space. And just reflect upon the goodness of the Lord. I think a lot of the praise language of, the, of Psalms was written while David was reflecting upon the Lord. So that's some thoughts of meditation. There's more to know, but uh, I want, uh, uh, that's enough for now. Treasure. Um, this is the essential question. What is salvation? How do I accomplish salvation? Uh, well, you need to understand, first of all, that we, all of us are saved through the Lord Jesus Christ. It's his work that enables us to be saved. And so initially what it is, is we are repenting from going our own way. We repent of our sins and then we turn our heart toward God uh, and we confess with our mouth that we want to serve the Lord. We confess with our mouth that we are walking after the Lord. That starts something. That's not the end of salvation, but that is the beginning of salvation. Now you're on a journey and some things need to happen after you've started that self-definition. That's the power of word. I'm going to serve the Lord. I repent of my sins. I'm going to serve the Lord. Um, Now that starts a journey and that journey is going to lead you to taking on spiritual adoption, which is taking on the, the name of Jesus. That is what we do in baptism. And we take on his name. We're spiritually adopted in baptism. And then the journey continues. God fills us with his presence and walks with us, convicts us, makes us to know, leads us, helps us, gives us wisdom, gives us courage, and gives us signs of his presence with us. One of those signs is when you are filled with the gift of the Holy Spirit with the sign of speaking in tongues. Tongues is not the Holy Spirit. Tongues is a sign. But if you read in the book of Acts, it's an amazing testimony of how the presence of God in a person can utterly change that individual. So treasure, I don't know wherever you are. I don't know if you have access to a church, um, but let me tell you what I would, I would love to see you do. I'd love you. I'd love to see you right now. Pray a prayer of repentance. Forgive me, Lord Jesus Christ. Forgive me of every sin. And then I would like you to tell the Lord, Lord, I'm going to serve you. I I'm turning away from this self flesh, sin, I'm going to serve you. And at that point, you need to start connecting with the church because we want you to be baptized. Remember, I talked about spiritual adoption. We want you to be baptized in Jesus' name. Um, And once you get in a place where it's easy to worship, you'll begin to worship and you will have the experience of the Holy Spirit with you. So you can read this in any of the salvation scriptures in the New Testament. Some of them talk about, some of them mention different pieces depending on the people they're dealing with and where those people were. were. So some places you'll see they repented. Some places they repented and called upon the name of the Lord. Some places they were baptized. Some places they fulfill that whole um, preaching that happened on the day of Pentecost. Repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. if you read all the salvation scriptures in the New Testament, you'll see that they're taking you somewhere. It's repentance, it's confession, it's water baptism, it's infilling of uh, God's spirit. Um, it doesn't happen all at once. It's very much a journey as it should be. All the teaching of spiritual relationship with God in the Bible is shown as a progression. Um, even the disciples did not get all the way to the day of Pentecost, the first, uh, how shall we say, three and a half years they were there. So connect with other believers, repent, 
Call upon the name of the Lord. Make your confession to the Lord um, and then begin to connect so you can be baptized, so you can get comfortable in a place of worship. You have a tremendous, tremendous spiritual future future ahead of you um, as you commit your heart to God. And if you live near our church, please come. I'll connect you with uh, our pastoral staff. Um, catch any of us. Um, we will we will connect with you, help you grow. Um, Paulina, I've heard the prayer, I've heard the phrase or concept concerning prayer that quality is better than quantity. I know there are times to spend an extended time of in prayer, can you touch on this? Yes. Um, I think um, extended times of prayer should have purpose. It should not just be an act um, done uh, because if you don't have purpose in that extended prayer, I promise you, your flesh will turn it into vanity. I hate to say that, but I'm flesh too. Um, it is a serious problem. Um, I, in my life, I want to be prayerful in all things. How can Paul say to pray about at all times about everything? Well, that's not spending 24-7 in a prayer room. Now, I'm not against spending as long as you can in a prayer room, but that kind of prayer should be purposeful. You should be, you should be, uh, you might even call that a, almost a type of spiritual battleground prayer. It's purposeful prayer. Um, if you're just racking up the hours so you can, you know, tell someone you prayed two hours, I, I know you're not talking about that, but there's a risk uh, for any of us to think that we're more spiritual than we are. Um, Jesus explicitly repeatedly warns against praying like that, rather um, an authentic prayer. So what I would say is this, I would rather see someone pray multiple times a day for uh, moments intentional than, um, you know, uh, pray two hours on Saturday. That That's me. Um, uh, your personality may be different, and I don't want to create an environment where it's my way or the highway, but as far as me and most of the people I have talked with, I think that's a fair statement that um, an attitude of prayer, a lifestyle of prayer is probably, I don't want to say for sure, but probably more important than counting up the minutes, hours as they pass, that attitude of prayer. Um, Beverly, I think listening is such an important component of communication. How do we exercise listening to God, not just do all the talking? That's a great question. I'll tell you how I do it. I lay it out before the Lord, what I'm feeling, what I, where I'm hurting. I lay it out before the Lord. And then I sit in the sacred moment of a quiet place with God. That's how I do it. Now, I know that can be taken as kind of, well, that's just fancy talk. What does that actually mean? That's exactly what I mean. I lay it out. Say I'm praying about a situation. Lord, this is a situation. This is what I think needs to happen. I, the, I want to be the first to admit you might be doing some things I don't understand, <laughs> but I, this is what I think needs to happen. Um, but Lord, I, 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 we need help down here. And then I literally will pause in my prayer. And that's why I pray with worship music. <laughs> just, I'm, maybe this is too much information. I pray with worship music so I can pause and I can let that music just hold me in a worshipful inclination toward the Lord. Um, that's how I do it. Um, your personality may be different, find your way, but I think listening is super 
super important as part of our prayer. Uh, Pastor Don, when I pray, I often make petitions that I do not get an answer for or the answer I expect. How should I interpret that kind of response or lack thereof? Um, that's a great question. Um, you probably could teach a good lesson on that, Don, um, but you are being helpful. I'm going to tell you how to do it. <laughs> You submit yourself to the mighty hand of God. I wanted a Cadillac. You gave me a Yugo. You know what's best for me. <laughs> Sorry if I enjoyed that too much. Um, <laughs> um, I oftentimes will want a specific answer. And the Lord doesn't seem to be particularly um, motivated to give me what I want. That doesn't mean that he doesn't know how many hairs are on my head. That doesn't mean he doesn't make sure I'm clothed better than the lilies of the field. You know what I'm saying? Um, I may not, God may not answer the way I want, but just because he doesn't answer in a way I can hear doesn't mean he doesn't answer. And just because I do not perceive the workings of the Lord does not mean God is not working. What is your most frustrated circumstance right now? Think about it for you. Speaking spiritually, what is your most frustrating circumstance? Can you give that to God? And can you say, Lord, I know you're on my side. I know you know what's best for me. I'm asking for this and I'm asking for that. But here is what I'm going to say. Um, in the meantime, let, let this day be my daily bread. Don't let me live discontented lives. Don't let me in some way uh, make an error of, of, of uh, living by the... the by sight, I guess is the best way to say. Um, and so here we are going back to prayer again. So lasting change happens in our life when we are prayerful people. And the principles of lasting change is prayer is continually focusing me on what is worthy of worship, not the stuff my flesh might be inclined to worship. Prayer is always the act of me submitting myself to God as a, a higher purpose uh, in my life. Uh, thy kingdom come. Prayer is a way of living and approaching God in contentment, not just being eternally discontent in some way. Uh, fourth, I, I repent of my sins. And fifth, I forgive others, and I do it as an act of worship, as we forgive others. Sixth, I'm asking for God to help me. I've, I've got stuff I don't have an answer for. I don't know what the smart move is. I don't know if there is a smart move. Sometimes we end up in situations where there's a lose-lose. I don't know what the smart move is. So, Lord, lead me not into temptation. Deliver me from evil. And then finally, that enables me to stand in a place of real worship, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. All right, that's enough. I'm trying to be more disciplined with my time. I've been making you guys, I've been making you guys spend a, uh, a good bit of time on uh, listening to me talk. So we're going to wrap up right here. Um, I think we lost uh, uh, Melix. Um, that's the, the nature of technology. We'll work on that. Um, right now, let's pray together, and then uh, we will. Well, I'll let you get back to your your evening. Lord Jesus, make us 
well, let me maybe make us is not the right way to say it, Lord. Uh, you you will not make us. You will invite us. Lord, help us have the strength of will and the depth of character to make ourselves be people of prayer. Uh, we have to make the time. We have to find the time. We have to commit to a spiritual relationship with you. Lord, we have to, as an act of our will, turn away from our solutions in problems and circumstances of our life. We have to turn away and say, I know I think this and they think that, but God, what would you say about this in my life, in my heart? What would you do through me? What would you do to me? How, how would you change me, oh God? Help us to find that prayer closet, to build an altar, to make time. Lord Jesus, help us not just to, to, to have a, a kind of a label we wear and we're not people of prayer uh, and then wonder why we always live in partial victory. But Lord, help us to choose victory. Help us to step into the spiritual promises of God. Help us to speak your name. Help us to humble ourselves. Prayer changes us. Prayer moves mountains. Let us be people of prayer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you all. We love you. Thank you for your time. Uh, let's, let's, let's renew our commitment to prayer. Let's renew our commitment to being people of prayer. We love you. God bless you. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four or five stars. By doing so, you'll help others find our free podcast and bless them. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to help support our efforts, please text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come worship with us. Thank you.